We just talked about a number of classes that, uh, which, that we have been talking about in church unity. Uh, and we started off with the first class of unity, a display of God's glory in the local church. Then we went to unity through breadth of commitment. And then we went to what's the foundation of unity, and that's preaching and prayer. And then basically the, the governance of the church that builds unity. Uh, and then we have church fellowship building a bond of unity, which we just spoke about for the the church in Bentonville, Ozark National. We, I mean Ozark National. That's it's Ozark Baptist. Uh, Ozark National is a golf course in Branson, uh, and uh, and just uh, what how that's built within the church, and then basically the test of unity when there is discontentment, uh, which any church is going to experience if, they, if, if they're around very long. And then the, the submission to leadership of how that brings uh, unity and the reflection it is of the submission to Christ. Uh, and then we, have, then we spoke about church discipline, which also brings about God's unity. Uh, and then last week we talked about encouragement, which we're safeguarding unity in, in uh, holiness. And today we're going to talk about serving and sacrifice, the sacrifice for the sake of unity. So, and as we turn to that topic, by serving, when I say the, 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 the topic of serving in the church... By serving, I simply mean spending yourself, your time, your gifts, your resources, your energy, all that you have for the good of the church. Christ's service to us is the model, and this is in Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, Jesus calls us to Take up his cross and follow him. Our service to others then should be the result of an overflow of love from our hearts because of the love God has shown to us in Christ. That's what unleashes ministry, an overflow of joy as we comprehend the incredible mercy Christ has shown us. This, this morning we'll consider how God has called us to serve each other in the church through various gifts and how that service contributes to the unity in the body. This unity is an important part of the witness. A community full of people who joyfully serve one another should stick out in this world. We'll start with a theology of service and then walk through four ways in which service can contribute to unity. Along the way, we'll pause and reflect on different ways we can get service wrong and fail to glorify God in it. The hope is that our discussion this morning will spur us on to serve each other more and more for God's glory and our good. First, we'll look at the theology, uh, which we see from various passages in Scripture, the theology of service, that is. Uh, And we'll look at uh, we'll start by looking at 1 Peter. In 1 Peter 4.10 we read, As each has received a gift, 
use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And then in verse 11 we read, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Uh, these two verses in 1 Peter uh, are part of a summary on the theology of service or ministry within and contain five simple but important points. Number one is each Christian has received a gift. This isn't just something for church leadership and staff while everyone else watches passively. Second, the gift is a result of God's grace. Third, we are responsible to use that gift. And four, we should use it for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. And five, we should serve through God's strength. Just as a, so, as a Christian, there are some special manifestations of God's grace in you which can build up others in the faith and bring glory to God. What is the purpose of your service? In Ephesians 4.12, Paul says that these gifts are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. What Paul is stressing here is the goal of strengthening the whole bodies, not just the parts. We are to minister to each other with a view, not just of helping each other mature, but with a view to the whole body growing in unity. God gives gifts to all of us, and according to His grace, to be exercised in His strength, not primarily as a means of fulfillment for each of us as individuals, but for the maturing of his church that we might grow in unity. That'll be our focus today. And, uh, and that's also our four points of how service can be done wrong. I'm sorry, our first point. This is our first point of how service can be done wrong. The person who feels entitled to serve is precisely the way they feel they've been gifted and who and who fears that they can't find fulfillment as a Christian if they're not serving in that way has misunderstood this passage the goal of service is for the strengthening of the body not our personal fulfillment and so that means that we serve where the body needs strengthening the fact that God gives us gifts to use in service isn't supposed to limit us in what we do. It equips us to do what needs to be done. We can be wrong about what gifts we think God has given us, so it's far better to roll up our sleeves and get serving than to sit around and wonder what our gift is. Because the goal of service is unity. We discover our gifts as we serve. Given this goal of unity, and we are now under the heading three, which is how should we serve in a way that promotes unity, what should our service in the church look like? And what should be our motive for serving in the church? 
let me touch on four answers to those questions. First, we should serve in God's strength and with great joy. Our goal shouldn't be mere good deeds, but good deeds done in a spirit that comes from a joyful dependence on God's help. That's what glorifies God in particular. If we go back to 1 Peter 4.10, we read, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So picture two people considering whether to come help clean the church. One says, oh, I suppose I'll go. It's worth a few brownie points with the leaders. Besides, I'm pretty good at that sort of thing. I'll be able to impress the folks there. So he comes and he grumbles about the tools and talks on about his abilities. He works, but his work isn't done in reliance on God's power. And his attitude lacks a spirit of joy and gratitude. And his desire is to impress others, which is a form of fear of man. He's not serving to glorify God. And then there may be the second person who is also hoping to help come and clean up. He's been quite ill lately. He thinks to himself, oh, how I would love to help clean the church. Maybe I could encourage some that are downhearted. Or maybe I could just pour the coffee. So he prays. And it turns out he feels well enough to come help with the cleanup. He does what he can with a rag and a broom and does it well. But above all, he exudes a joy and a sense of gratitude that promotes unity and brings glory to God. Well, these are kind of extreme examples. But uh, I, I... they should highlight that what it matters to God isn't merely that we, are, that we use our gifts, but how we use them in cheerful reliance on Him. That is the attitude we should have when we give our time or money or energy to the church. In 2 Corinthians uh, 9-7, there's a verse about giving financially. Each It reads, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful cheerful giver. This verse applies to our service too. Too often we don't serve cheerfully, but merely out of guilt. We serve out of compulsion, sometimes which this verse speaks against, something that this verse speaks against. But the Bible exhorts us to serve, not out of duty, but because it is a fantastic opportunity to participate in the building up of God's people. And I will confess guilt on that. Sometimes, sometimes it's out of compulsion and out of, out of my own guilt, just, and not with the joy. This has been a convicting time uh, in going through this lesson for my even for myself so Uh, but this leads us to number two about service gone wrong serving out of guilt rather than out of gratitude think of what guilt-driven service says about the things of God it says that they are not more valuable than the other things in your life but we'll do it anyway because we have to The difference between letting 
perfume-laden, Aunt Helga kiss you as a kid because you're supposed to, or joyfully enduring a long journey to visit loved ones when you're an adult because the reward is more than worth the cost. Or preaching a funeral for a, a cousin. Now, this may raise a question in our minds. (laughs) What if I don't have this attitude? What if my heart is cold in our service or is partly motivated by guilt or fear of man? Should I abstain from giving my time and resources? Would it be hypocritical if I continued to serve? Well, I think the answer is no. We shouldn't refrain from serving in the church even though our joy may not always be great or our motives perfectly pure. Scripture commands us to give of ourselves. And while we should strive to give out of a joyful and grateful heart, we also have to recognize that we're sinners and can't do this perfectly. So, like everything else in the Christian life, we do this imperfectly. But we continue to grow in this area as we serve. We should pray that God would help us to serve joyfully in his strength and that our motives would become more and more pure. And and then secondly, we should serve in the knowledge that everyone's service is needed and valuable. One obstacle to the body of Christ functioning the way it should is when members feel useless and unimportant, which can lead to envy and other forms of bitterness toward God. Paul directly rejects this idea of uselessness in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, where, we again, where he again uses this wonderful image of the body with many members. And if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there at 1 Corinthians 12, as we'll spend some time in that chapter going forward. Uh, Paul explains that the... I'll give you time to get there if you want. In, In this chapter, Paul explains that the very existence of the body of Christ depends on the diversity of gifts the Spirit has given the church. We undermine that spirit-given diversity when we compare ourselves with others. So he says in verse 17, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? And then he says in verse 19, If all were a single member, where would the body be? Well, of course, the body wouldn't exist. More importantly, in response to the claim of uselessness, Paul points out God's sovereignty in the matter in verse 18, which when he says, But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. So God is sovereign in his designing of all parts of the body, and he does it, for our best interest. Well, what does that mean for us? We should serve in the church where we can. 
We should thank God for the gifts that he has given us, and we shouldn't feel useless or discontent merely because we are not serving in some particular way or capacity. There are many ways to serve in the church that are crucial to the health of the church. And I had an example of that with one of the members that I meet with periodically, uh, and he had that feeling that he should be serving somewhere else, but he was convicted by this passage that he should serve wherever he's asked to serve. And uh, in our conversations and as we've uh, met together, it's been joyful for him. Joyful that he has been able to serve where he wasn't really comfortable in serving. Both he and his wife, uh, they, they, they picked a children's ministry, uh, which they were not very comfortable in doing, but have been blessed by that. So... Uh, so that is crucial to the health of the church. Uh, we're not only talking about the use of spiritual gifts, but also the gifts of physical gifts that God's given us. Some members are particularly rich in time, others in resources, others in relationships. Those who are rich in time can build up the body particularly through acts like uh, of service. So single members who have more time or more easily help other members move to provide babysitting or to go on a short mission trip. Those who are rich in resources can help particularly in supporting the church financially. Those who are rich in relationships can build up the body by helping others find friends, by mentoring younger members, by providing a home away from home for college students, and the abilities or opportunities we have to serve can change in the various seasons of our lives. Just as an example, if you're a mom with young kids, you may feel exhausted and discouraged that you don't have the time to disciple women or volunteer at the church like you used to. Please be encouraged that that's okay. You are now in a season where God has called you to serve Him by loving your kids and training them up. I know that we often pray on Sunday nights for members who have neat evangelistic opportunities. They may be sharing the gospel with an atheist they meet at the U of A or a Buddhist who sits next to them at work, which I actually have talked to a young man who's, who sits next to a Buddhist at work. Uh, and don't despair if you feel like you've lost those opportunities now that you're working primarily in the home. The Lord may have given you two to four little minds that you, can get, that you get to evangelize all day long. <clears throat> it's good to desire to keep serving the church even while your life circumstances have changed. Pray about that and see how God might open a door to serve the body in new ways if you are in any sort of new season in life. I think that's true for all of us. I think seasons change in our lives. Uh, uh, and on your handout, you'll see that service gone wrong number three. The person who gives up serving because they don't see their contribution as important. We must never understand service to God as valuable primarily because of the temporal result. Because 
but because of what the sacrifice says about God's value to us. Which did Jesus say was more valuable? The widow's two copper uh, coins or the thousands given by the wealthy? But that does raise another question. Does this mean that we can't desire or seek to attain other spiritual gifts? If God is the one who gives us gifts according to his good pleasure, is this dishonoring to him to ask for gifts we don't have now? Well, I think scripture indicates that it is a good thing to earnestly desire spiritual gifts that we don't have. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul instructs the Corinthians to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So is it possible to long for spiritual gifts that we don't have without regarding the other ones we do have as useless or by coveting those that others have? Well, I think it is. This is the balance between contentment in the gracious, sovereign provision of God and the, lo- and the longing of holy yearnings and prayer. Emphasis on prayer. So we should be content with the gifts God has given us, but we can also be eager for more, especially as he leads us in that. Third, we should use our gifts humbly. This is really the flip side of of our second point. In, In 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20, which is one of the which is the passage I think I ask you to look at. Paul encourages those members who might feel like they have nothing to contribute. But then in verse verses 21 through 26, he cautions those who have been given gifts of greater responsibility to exercise those gifts with humility. So in verse 21 we read, the eye cannot say to the hand I have no need of you. Those in positions of greater responsibility or visibility in the church must not lord their authority over others to carry out their duties with an air of superiority. Unity and diversity is impossible without Christ-like humility. And the place that's needed most is in those who seem to have the most responsibility or prominence in the church. When this doesn't happen, people can become territorial of a ministry or bitter and suspicious of anyone who might suggest changes. The results are devastating for the unity of, for the, unity of the church when those things happen. So our calling is to recognize and honor the service of all members. No matter how visible no matter how seemingly significant or insignificant that service might appear to be. You know, a great way for us to do this is to acknowledge the service of others, particularly in those areas that are behind the scenes. You know, so you might send a card or in, of encouragement or thank someone verbally for such work, whether it's running the sound system, you know, uh, doing work uh, with, at the office of the church or working on the security team 
those, those folks all kind of work behind the scenes. And uh, if you know someone, send them a card or just stop them and thank them when you, when you see them. This is exactly where service can go wrong, number four. Have you ever complained that others in the church aren't doing their fair share? Where does that attitude come from? Well, maybe a poor understanding of the constraints that others have uh, in their lives. Maybe a proud heart that confuses personal worth with amount of service. Maybe an assumption that others are willfully neglecting service rather than you compassionately giving the benefit of the doubt that maybe they don't yet know how much joy comes from serving. In all of this, the solution is humility. Recognize you're not any better because you serve. We all alike are deserving of God's judgment. And yet... He has rescued us so that we can serve Him. So the fourth point is we should serve to glorify God and to benefit others and ourselves. We've touched on this point somewhat, but I want to address it explicitly. Our service to the church yields several benefits for ourselves for others, and the most important, for the glory of God. When we serve faithfully, God is glorified because we're simply returning what He has given to us. We're giving back to Him. In Psalm 24, 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and including the strength and time He gives us. That's why to think about service, you need to think about your whole lifestyle. What do we do every hour? Not just on Sundays, during church. Says something about our view of God and what He means to us. Serving also directly benefits others. Making someone a meal provides sustenance. Giving someone a ride to church makes it possible for them to grow under the preaching of God's Word. Serving in child care helps countless people benefit from our services. This is all obvious stuff, but take a moment and think about it. Do you want to bring other people joy in their Christian life? When you commit to serve in a particular way and then make good on that commitment, even though that commitment constrains your own time and strength, you're working directly for others to grow in joy and in knowledge of Christ. That's not all. Our service also brings benefits to us. It helps us appreciate the ultimate act of service that Christ did for us. It teaches us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. A life of service is simply a happier life than a life of selfishness. Service makes us less self-focused, but ironically, as it does, so God's ordained things, so this actually the way to a life of satisfaction and contentment. When we structure our life so that service is a priority, it fo forces us to depend more on God's strength. 
which is the point. And then it brings us to service gone wrong, number five. The person who serves only slightly because their heart is captured by the world and they believe the lie that self-indulgence and self-focus brings greater joy. Their mixed priorities keep them from higher satisfaction and self-sacrifice. And then the number six, the person who serves to the point that is deemed acceptable by those around them rather than wagering everything on God's strength. Uh, we can take a moment now. Are there any questions or comments about what we've covered so far? That brings us to persevering and doing good. Finally, we'll close with the two points of application regarding serving in the church. First, persevere in your service through Christ's power. Paul told his readers in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Why did he do that? Because this happens often. People tire in their service. When year follows year and weariness sets in, there can be a temptation to pull back or even stop altogether. Or maybe you've just lost sight of the larger goal of serving God. Having been so caught up in the details and the busyness of the ministry, you have neglected your relationship with God. Perhaps you are now relying on your own strength. Well, if this is the case for any of you, remember that our strength to serve comes from Christ in us. He has given us His Spirit to bear fruit. We must abide in Christ, the vine. Just as food provides the fuel that's necessary for our physical well-being, spending time in God's Word and prayer provides the spiritual nourishment that motivates us to serve. When we remind ourselves again and again of God's character, His goodness, His forbearance, what He's done for us in Christ, we are re-energized to serve Him. If we neglect our love for Jesus, then there's no surprise if our service becomes just another chore, even a burden. So ignite your hearts and minds to service with the truth of God's grandeur and grace. And we do that by knowing Him better through His Word, through prayer, and even through service with other people. So this is our last instance of serving gone wrong exhausting ourselves in service in our own strength rather than being refreshed in our relationship with God. The encouragement to structure your life so that you serve in a sustainably sacrificial way. You know, that may sound like, that may sound like a contradiction because sacrifice shouldn't be easy. But what, I'm, what I mean is you sacrifice, your sacrifice is in costly ways. 
Seek to position yourself so that you can continue in a posture of utter reliance on Christ that doesn't lead to burnout, but that leads to a contented, ongoing lifestyle of giving yourself up for God's glory while resting in Him. That's a mouthful. Uh, but if we, if we continue in God's Word, and we continue to be encouraged by other believers, uh, I, think, I think we can be contented on an ongoing lifestyle for God's glory while we rest in Him. Okay, service opportunities at UBC. You know, as you think about persevering in that way, let's take a minute to talk about service opportunities here. An opportunity for service that is ongoing is child care on Sundays. It is a commitment, but what a great way to serve this body and bring glory to God. You can contact Ryan Trogman for information about the opportunities to serve in the child care ministry. Another way to seek opportunities is to look in the directory for a list of deacons and their areas of ministry. Uh, look for the area you would like to serve and then talk to that deacon as to how you can help. Those men are always looking for members to add to their teams. We have one here Jack is deacon of member care, and I know if you, haven't, if you have a desire to do that, he can put you to work <laughs> in serving. And the other thing is we should recognize that some of the most powerful ministry at UBC isn't connected with a formal ministry, but is informal and relational. Having people over for dinner, or talking with someone who doesn't know many folks after a Sunday morning service to make them feel welcomed, or forming a relationship with those who struggle to form relationships is a great ministry and one that we could possibly do better here. Uh, and I mentioned, I have mentioned uh, Ed Welch's book, Side by Side, before, and he has some great insight and counsel and how you can go about doing that, uh, and what maybe what to expect. Uh, and then my suggestion is to start with the ministry of forming encouraging, deep relationships, which takes time, and then, if you still have time, also get involved in other practical ministries. You know, for almost 2,000 years, God's people have faithfully served in the church. They've been driven by a love of God and a desire to glorify Him. You know, praise God for how well this has been exemplified here at UBC. In our own midst, we have moving examples of members who've faithfully served for many years. Members like Wayne and Mildred Summers who have been faithful to support, lead, and participate in our weekly prayer gathering. And they've been doing that, again, for as long as I can remember. And I've been a member here for 35 years. And then there's Tammy Leinberger, who has served in our children's ministry also for as long as I can remember. She joined in 1988, two years after we did, so... 
She's been serving a long time. You know, we are, we are people who are driven to serve because the Lord Jesus Christ has served us supremely. May we be quick and zealous to serve each other in this church. May our service flow from a passion for Christ, and may it be characterized by great joy and thanksgiving. Any questions or comments about our lesson today? About the joy of service? Or sometimes even the the drudgery of service if we're doing it for Christ. Let me close this in prayer then. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the service that is here at UBC. Father, we just pray that as your word calls us to, that we do that to glorify you. Father, Always renew our minds. Always lift our hearts uh, in service. Father, just how what the joy it is to be able to serve your body as, as it states in, in, in the Corinthian letter about that we're all necessary. Each member, uh, each member here, Father, just lift them in their service. Give them the, the spirit of glorifying you. Father, we ask for the service to come as Brad preaches from Isaiah. Father, just give us ears to hear. And uh, Father, if there be any there that uh, have not heard the gospel, Father, we just pray that, that your Holy Spirit moves in their, moves in their heart. Father, we uh, pray as we go this week that uh, we remember that our whole life is, not, is to be service to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.